right, everybody, welcome to the December 7th, 2017 Fiscal Impact Committee meeting. And, uh, today's Pearl Harbor Day, so 76 years, we shall never forget. I actually was standing on the USS Arizona on Christmas Day this past Christmas. If you haven't been there, it's, it's just an amazing thing. And the oil still comes up. It's right there. You can't miss it. You, you smell it. You see it coming up on both sides. It's, it's just, just incredible. It's also incredible as now as a lot of the survivors are uh, passing away, they're choosing to have their ashes entombed in the Arizona, and then they add their name to the to the monument, and they have divers that take the ashes down into it. So it's. Uh, Pretty amazing. So if you're ever out there, I recommend you do it. But uh, bring your Kleenex. So all right. That said, uh, tonight we're going to focus on the capital intensity factor, which also was a topic in the meeting last night with the it was the joint committee of the uh, school board and the uh, board of supervisors. There's three supervisors on it. I'm one of them, and then there's three school board members on it. And Mr. Lewis was there presenting. And then he really presented after that, because then we had a meeting to the whole school board and the whole board of supervisors so they could present their new capital budget to the board last night. So uh, thank you for doing that, Kevin. Yes, you, were, you were the guy on the hot seat. That's for darn sure. So, it's always enjoyable. We were pretty kind. You were. <laughs> I don't think we got too carried away with this. So. Uh, the goal tonight is to hopefully get to a vote on the CIF. Okay. We didn't do that last meeting because the committee asked for more information. And let me, let me simply say this. The CIF, as complex as it is, it's really simple, too, in the sense that if we agree with construction assumptions, construction costs, inflation, those types of things, if we agree with land use values, again, this is by area, and if we agree with what's in the capital needs assessment as far as facilities required, which we have already approved and sent to the full board of supervisors who approved it also about a month or two ago, then the rest of it's just a math exercise. Literally, it's just a math exercise by, by area. So I think what our discussion tonight will probably, and I'm just crystal ball, but it's probably going to focus, I think, on construction costs. And I think there will be some discussion of land use, but I think there's going to be more on construction costs and the assumptions. And there'll probably be some questions about the facility deficit. Um, Mr. Capretti made a request to staff several days ago, uh, in particular to look at the data from the 2014 CIF and the underlying CIP that was used at the time for that. Because the CIP has the, we, we strike out the facilities that are either built or in the CIP already, versus what's in the 2017 CIF that we're looking at tonight, given the current capital budget. Unfortunately, we had some illnesses uh, with staff and so forth, and they were able to get some of the data to us, but not all of the data that Michael requested. So there was nothing nefarious, nothing strange. It was simply uh, there wasn't time to get it done, given some of the other things going on. So that, that's all it is. So with that, and just so I can go just ahead. expand on that just a little yeah. bit. For me to try to get my hands around this, what I've been struggling with a little bit is 
looking back at 09 to 14 and then coming to 17 and the idea that especially from the school's perspective back in 09 every single capital facility number that we had went down because we came up with a, a new number of schools needed to build out the plan the, 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 the plan at that point and all those numbers went down as far as schools that uh -huh. we were going to need. So all of a sudden in 09 all the numbers went down and then when we got to 14 there was some change in those numbers but for the most part they kind of stayed the same. Well, from all 09 to 14 the, the CIF went up quite a bit from 9 to 14. That's all in here. We'll go through it when we get to the okay. slides. Okay, but my, my point where I was trying to go was <clears throat> this, whole, this whole idea of subtracting out from the deficit what, is, what hasn't been built because of what's in place is the number that I've been trying to get my hands around. And what I asked staff for was, could you tell me, last time we did this, what facilities were left to build at that point in time? and then compare that to where we are today, what's left to build. Because when I started looking at numbers like, like Douglas, it's gone up 40%. I mean, to me, yeah, there's construction cost increase there. Yeah, there's kid generation numbers that we talked about. There. But there has to be facility differences there. And I was just trying to get my hands around. We said we needed three schools back then, and now we're saying we need 10, and that's why the numbers are going up. And that's the raw data that I've been trying to Yeah, and, trying and to Dulles is the biggest increase. Uh, all the areas went up except for Eastern. It, that's a general generalization statement, but yes. Mm. Eastern actually went down quite a bit. Um, the re, a lot of what drove Dulles, and it's pretty obvious from the data, are schools. And we're struggling down there. I mean, we are really struggling. We just purchased land uh, two nights ago. Uh, we agreed with the schools to purchase land for another school in Dulles North. Um, and when we looked at the C their CIP last night, Dulles South, Dulles North, Dulles South, Dulles North. I mean, everything was almost Dulles right. in what you were bringing to us last night. And so the, the population growth in that area uh, has driven the need for more schools than I think what were projected back in 2009. But, but, but again, if population of units is generating that, but the number of units in the general plan hasn't changed, I'm going to bet that's by rate-driven facilities, and those facilities Possibly. should not be part of the CIF. My rate should be paid by the county. We don't include by right in the CIF calculation. Correct, but right. the generation of more people in houses is generating more schools. Those units have either already paid a proffer or are a by right unit. So that, to me, is increasing the deficit the county has to provide, not giving you the ability to charge the next unit to make up for that deficit. I, I see what you're saying. That's so we're going to have to. Just trying to understand. But, and, and I don't. And I don't know that that's really the case or not. I, right. So I think we'll get through that along the way. So with that. Uh, let's let staff go through it to the extent we can. Let's try not to interrupt them along the way too much, uh, so we can get through at least that piece of it. So who's doing this? Who's? Um, go ahead. Uh, okay. Uh, good evening. I just want before we start, I just want to point out we have some hard copies of slides that were recently made available. Um, they start on slide number five of the presentation. 
um, and we'll go through that. And, and what those slides are is two slides discussing construction costs, and then a revised slide for the lease for CIF. Correct. So let's begin. So our agenda for tonight is we'll do a summary and recap of the last FIC meeting. We'll have a discussion of construction costs with DTCI staff present. We'll talk about um, land values, uh, just give an update on information on land values. Um, we'll do a comparison of the deficit analysis methodology between 2017, the today's revised 2017 numbers and 2014. Uh, and then we'll look at the CIF rates per region. And then the end goal is to have a, have a vote, a decision made on the proposed rates. On that, and I said not to interrupt, but what is the plan to try to bring the CIF rates to the Board of Supervisors? I mean, that's more of a timing yes, question. Timing, yeah, so finance committee in January would be the target? Yes. And target finance in January. January, February, and then to the board. So if we didn't approve them tonight, if we didn't, or I don't have a quorum to get a motion, mm -hmm. Do we have any more fiscal impact committee meetings in the calendar? We do not have any meetings scheduled. That's what but I thought. We could schedule I, something. I really like to avoid that. Right. That's kind of what I'm getting out there right now. So, okay. okay. So, to recap from the last meeting, uh, staff had presented our proposed uh, 2017 rates from the CIF which I will hereafter call the October rates. Uh, we talked about recommended land values, uh, recommended construction estimates. Uh, we went through a capital facility deficit analysis, and we had proposed rates for each region. The committee had uh, several requests for information, which we'll go through, and which is included in your packet and your attachments. Um, there was also some concern expressed about um, construction costs, as well as the deficit analysis, and how that was calculated uh, compared to 2014. Um, so those requests and those concerns are, will hopefully be addressed through tonight's presentation. Okay. So as we previously presented, our construction costs uh, were based on a regional construction cost index, the Baltimore construction cost index. Uh, we applied actual inflation rates from three years. Uh, we applied them to the 2014 per square foot car construction cost figures for each facility type. And that was what's included in both the October rates and as well as the current December rates. Based on some, uh, some feedback from the committee, we did contact uh, associated builders and contractors to get some information on construction costs in the region. Uh, to date, we have not received any additional data on that. Um, now, the CI staff is present tonight. Uh, the next few slides, they will uh, do a walkthrough, and they will discuss and answer any questions you might have on construction costs. And, and there is a supplemental slide here that's very important in my mind. It's number is slide five because it shows actuals for some projects. Yes, so uh, this slide will, again, in terms of estimating cost of facilities in the CIP, uh, the method is we have historical per square foot data for our cost and that we update uh, with inflation to the current year. And then in terms of inflating that out for subsequent years, we have another inflation factor. Um, now, design costs, construction costs, uh, sorry, construction inspection, and furniture, fixtures, and equipment are all based on percentages of that total construction cost. Uh, again, just to get background, FIC requested in the last meeting to have DTCI staff yeah. present to respond to questions. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. Good evening, and thank you, Mr. Chairman and committee members. Uh, this table on the slide uh, provides hard construction costs based on actual bids that were received uh, since 2014 for various facilities that we've constructed. Uh, many of you are probably familiar with these facilities. Some are complete, and some still remain to be under construction. But the cost information is based on the bid cost, uh, simply the bid divided by the, uh, the square footage of that facility. So there, they, these costs do not represent change orders that may have uh, been initiated for various reasons throughout the duration of the project. Uh, based on the, <coughs> the dates in which the bids have been received, they have been escalated to $2,017. Uh, using a 4.5% per year inflationary factor. Uh, those costs are, uh, I refer to it column 5, but the column is labeled construction cost per square foot in FY17 dollars. And you can see the Western Loudoun Sheriff Station, uh, for example, uh, in 2017 dollars is $556. Uh, the column in green represents uh, the Department of Management and Budgets proposed 2017 CIF, which was calculated using the 2014 data of $400 per square foot, escalated to 2017 using 4.5% per year. So you can see the comparison and the, and the comparison range or the very variation between these, uh, these projects range anywhere from $2 per square foot to as much as $166 per square foot. Next slide, please. As it was mentioned uh, by Naeem, the um, point of clarification is that uh, the uh, design cost, the construction inspection cost, as well as the furniture, fixtures, and equipment cost are estimated based on a percentage of those hard costs. And you can see uh, actual information based on the five sample projects that we've provided, <coughs> what the actual percentage design contract cost was, inspection cost, and FF&E, again, by percentage. And then at the bottom of this in red, you see the uh, averages of all those projects. So you compare the average and individual projects, if you wish, with the soft cost assumptions that are used uh, at the planning level before the project is, is awarded, you can see the average is pretty close on target for design at 14% as compared to 15%, inspection 3% as compared to 2% assumed, and uh, FF&E 6% as compared to the assumptions of 10. Next cost. Uh, there's no question that construction costs are rising uh, very quickly in the region. Uh, and in our discussions with various contractors, architects, the basic problem in the Northern Virginia region is a labor problem in combination more so than the materials issue. Now, there are material issues. Uh, that I'll talk about in just a second, but predominantly the escalations that we're seeing, uh, the information we're getting, that it's a labor issue. 
and it's just simply that general contractors and subcontractors um, decreased significantly during the recession. Many residential contractors, or uh, uh, many contractors dove into the residential area to do commercial work, and for particularly for mechanical type work and electrical work, and some uh, basically went out of business because of their inability to be uh, equipped for the commercial market. Um, so this shortage of uh, labor uh, is lengthening project times and is creating problems with, with subcontractors uh, sub being able to perform uh, for the general contractors and they are pricing the market accordingly, we believe. Uh, I did indicate that there is a, a minor issue with, with markets and, and the weather. You know, you go back all the way to the tsunami that occurred over in, in Asia, impacted the market then, uh, and now more recently the, the hurricanes in Texas and Florida will continue to put on us uh, and on the availability of both labor as well as material cost. So depending on which project you look at, we've seen uh, 10 to 20 percent increases since the spring of 2017 uh, here in the Mid-Atlantic, 2016, I'm sorry, uh, here in the Mid-Atlantic region. So in the next slide, we just provide you an example. Uh, again, the base that we've used before for our planet was 4.5%. Uh, but this is an example of a, of a fire station, fire and rescue station. In May of 2011, we bid the Brambleton Public Safety Center on Belmont Ridge Road, and the budget or the bid cost came in at $301 per square foot. Uh, in May of 2016, we bid the Kirkpatrick Fire and Rescue Station, uh, which is about almost 4,000 square feet, or between three and 4,000 square feet less in size than the uh, Brambleton Public Safety Center. Uh, but the <coughs> per square foot cost has increased 400 to $422, which is a $121 increase. <clears throat> so that equates to, over the past five years, almost 7% per year increases in percentage cost. And again, that's in comparison to what we've used for budgets of 4.5, uh, and that as I understand is, is uh, consistent with the engineering news record, uh, construction cost index. Uh, and I just want to clarify for those that are not familiar with ENR and what the index is as compared to cost, cost per square foot. The index is not a cost per square foot. The index is a composite of building construction cost how they change from one year to, to the next. Escalators. It's not, you can't look at the engineering news record and say that you know, a building is $400 per square foot. You're seeing the increment, it's showing you the increment over time. And, it, and they have a history that goes back, I believe, back into the 30s that you can look at and look at it and compare over time. So before you leave that slide, is the Brambleton Public Safety Center architecturally basically the same as the Kirkpatrick Fire and Rescue Staff? Are you comparing apples and apples design-wise? From, from a building construction perspective? Materials, exterior design, roof, 
Sonic, yes. HVAC, yes. Exactly the diff the, there is a difference, and the reason that, that the, the Brampton Public Safety Center is, is uh, several thousand square feet larger in size is because when it was initially planned, it was going to be co-located with the Sheriff's Office. And at about the time, I, and this was, so, this was shortly before I arrived on the scene, um, either about the time it was going to construction or about the time it started construction, the Sheriff decided that he did not, it was not the right location for his facility, and a decision was made by the board to site the, or to locate the fire marshal's office in, the, in that facility. But to answer your question, yes, from a durability standpoint, they are generally, uh, they are quite similar. Okay, and then like land cost, land development, rock, soil, all that kind of, that's not in this budget. Correct. Well, this is just a construction. Just construction. And if I can interrupt, Joe doesn't always come before us. Does everybody know Joe? Joe, 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 yeah, Joe Corbett. <laughs> Joe is the director of the Department of Transportation and Capital Infrastructure. Everything we build, other than what the schools does, Joe's responsible what for. Just say he's the busiest guy in the county. He's the busiest guy in the county. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Our team is the busiest. Let's start. Uh, you're modest. Okay. Now, to, to jump on Michael's point, though, from 2011 to 2016, design standards may be the same. That certainly doesn't mean that going forward, design standards won't change for better or for worse. I know Mr. Mayor would be happy if these this design problem. standards went to more more solar power. We have different different things, different technologies. Technologies become less expensive. Well, they might, but we don't know. We don't know that. We don't know that. Right, we don't so, know we that so we have to look at assuming that they're similar. Right, and we had some comments last time around from Mr. Larkin, who was here about sort of the one in Mount sort of looking at that architecturally from the road now. Right. Well, he thinks the, the Ashburn Sheriff Station is over, over designed. designed. Yeah, that's his opinion because he's used to building flex industrial crap. So, you know, part of my French. You, you didn't just say crap. No. You did not just say. Crap. You misheard that. I said church. He built a church right here on Sixth. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to comment on the construction cost. But what I what I gather is with the shortage of labor. What you're saying is. If Capretti would pick up a shovel and a hammer, things might cost a little bit less. But it would take like 10 times. Well, <laughs> <laughs> good point. Joe, do you think we compete with all the data center construction going on too? I believe so, yeah. And the road construction? Certainly road construction. Okay. The same builders that are constructing our roads are also building private sector roads. Right. Now, I, I will also comment that public buildings that we design, we attempt to design these facilities for, I believe, much longer life expectancies than the private sector does. I think the private sector designs those buildings to the IRS depreciated value, which is typically around 39 and a half years, close to 40 years, as we're trying to design facilities that we want to last 50 years or longer. Uh, and particularly with a fire and rescue station, it's a 24-hour-a-day facility. Oftentimes, people don't, don't think about that, but it gets a tremendous amount of wear and tear, so the durability has to be to a much higher standard, and that, that costs extra. So the material you use would, would be different then? Yes. Many block walls, uh, Concrete floors. 
I do want to reiterate, um, based on what Joe said, for purposes of the CIF, the construction estimates are very general. Uh, we're trying to develop a general estimate, but for each project, um, in each time period, you'll get wide variation in construction costs. So. This is an attempt just to illustrate, based on two similar facilities, that we're at about 7%, and our assumption in the CIF is 4.5. That's what it shows. Mm -hmm. so. In all the numbers we use in the CIF are what we use in the CIP and the CMA, correct? Generally, yes. Okay, yeah. so when you have increases in the CIF, then obviously the CNA's costs are going to Well, the CNA too. does not but include costs. The CNA's just... Yes. No, but it's, it's CIP, reflected the in the CIP. CIP does, right? right. Okay. If I could yeah, qualify that. Yeah, please. In the, when a project is a concept or it's in the planning level, the, the answer to that is yes. But once a project goes to design, a design contract is awarded, and now an architect is on board, and at various milestones throughout the design development, they are required to produce a set of plans and draft specifications, but also a cost estimate. And those cost estimates come to us, and it may be that we, at 50% design, we learn that a project is underfunded by a million dollars. We then go to Naeem and Aaron McClellan and we report that need, and then they will often annually adjust the project cap or the CIP value. And there are many sources that we go to for to develop our cost estimates. Uh, obviously, there, there are many publications, just like ENR does a construction cost index for the region. There's a, there's a group called or a company called RS Means. That collects construction data for various uh, locate, localities and regions around the country, and they break it down to the per square foot of finished drywall studs. I mean, they take it down to, to every component. But most of the time, our architects, when they are required to give an estimate, they are reaching out to general contractors, to mechanical contractors, to electrical contractors, of which they do not disclose to us who who they're talking with, and they actually have a contractor price price that information and provide it back to us. So we feel that that is the absolute best of cost estimating because you're getting it from the individuals that actually do that actually for do living, that, right. and their livelihood relies on the accuracy of their bids or their estimates. So, and in fact, when contractors bid a job, you go to subcontractors to get prices on certain elements of construction. And when they can't get prices in time to submit a bid, they go to the artist name and actually calculate that based on that. So that's pretty accurate. Katab, introduce yourself to the committee. I'm Katab Shamut. I'm the second busiest. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Just a, a sort, of, sort of related, but not to this board, but does this conversation lead us to the question that one day we need the county needs a public works department. I think that's a whole different issue than where we're going tonight. Yes, but um, theoretically, long term, could that not somewhere somewhere we begin to go towards build out. So you got to be careful of what you establish as far as internal organizations. Okay, <laughs> yeah. because well, once you once you establish it in government, you never get rid of it. Okay. So you, TCI is kind of functioning as well. well I would, I would, they are. They I mean, are. Absolutely. You're right. Absolutely. I mean, I, I retired yeah, as a public right. works director from a previous county, but uh, 
our, our Department of General Services has a public works division. Correct. And there are many responsibilities in the in the public works arena: snow removal, facility maintenance, building maintenance, yep. things, and facility construction. So between our office and the Department of General Services, we the county kind of does help. provide that service. Yeah. Today. Yeah. I used to think from some lower cost items like the addition to the school of the Luckets. 2,500 square feet. Well, first of all, that's a school project, right, so right. But that the county doesn't build that. The schools build right, that. Right, but $3 million for 2,500 square feet seems... But I, I will say our uh, there is a separation between <coughs> Department of General Services and DTCI. Generally, DTCI builds all new facilities. Right. right. General services, Maintain for instance, this room, right, this room was, was a mail receiving facility and it was renovated right. under the guidance yeah, of a couple years part ago. of general services. Right. So that's the type of building and facility projects that they handle. Yeah. Right. Now, if they, there's no hard, fast rule, but we have kind of a, a general agreement when, they, when a renovation starts to exceed like $2 million or so, general services says, look, that's too big for us. And, Kind of use, use the private sector to the extent we can, you know? So. Okay, or so is that it for construction? Cost? So based on the presentation that we heard, it was just a justification for the construction cost we saw last time around. Nothing changed? No, nothing changed from last time around. Correct. Okay. Yeah, we used the 4.5 last time. We're using the 4.5 still. This is a validation presentation. That's we were trying to validate: is this number right or not? And I don't. I don't. I have a lot of confidence in DTCI because I deal with them constantly. And I, if it were different, they would have come back with an analysis. And matter of fact, they have in a sense to say it's really seven percent. But that's that's only one example too. We can't say that's across the board. But I think it is indicative of the market. Okay, is that it for construction costs? Thank you, Joe. Are there going to be any more questions on construction costs? If not, we're going to let the two busiest people in Loudoun County go be busy. You have to go to Arlington for a week. So. Oh, great time of day to go down there, Joe. Okay, thank you. Don't pay the toll. Make sure we have a flex pass. Put a dummy in the right seat. Okay, land values. Land values. So, two things. The committee asked uh, for some information on the data we had used October rates on land values. Uh, we were using commercial vacant land sales. Uh, we also, after that meeting, uh, followed up with Commission Revenues and received some data on residential vacant land sales. Yes, I asked the question fundamentally to make sure that the Commissioner of Revenue, who has the actuals, is in sync with what you're using. Subsequently, Brian Williams, who has the commercial, documented back to me. It's not the same. I tried to get a hold of Dan quick. There has been no change to the data. You are not consistent with each other. I have a problem with that well, because actuals are actuals. Let me reiterate. So the first data set we had had in October was based on commercial land sales data from CORE. That's what we had used to develop our recommended land values. Right. That was based on 75 transactions, mostly in the Dulles, uh, Leesburg, Ashburn, Sterling areas. That's commercially zoned land. The second data set that we have subsequent, we did not incorporate uh, for several reasons, but mostly there, when we looked at the data, it was not in a format uh, that would allow 
for us to map to CIF regions. Um, unlike the commercial data, which was mapped to CIF regions, so we can easily sort and calculate. Um, 2,000 transactions, um, it, was not, it was not in the format that we had time to use. Um, second, there were significant outliers in the data, uh, which I point to in the, in the presentation. Um, we're looking at Dallas and Leesburg. Um, the per acre values were highly variable. Um, so partly due to that, we chose not to include that into our final recommended values for tonight. So you had outliers to a database you didn't have. I have troubles with that mathematically. Oh, wait a minute. We had the database. You had the database. The, the commissioner of the revenue is also, about four or five, five years ago, the board abolished the county assessor's office. And we released the county assessor. He was one of three positions that worked for the board. Yep. And the commissioner of revenue agreed to take on the responsibility of also being the county assessor. Okay. Those are what you looked at. Those 2,000 transactions were real assessor values. Okay, I'm not going to call them commissioner sales. revenue. I'm going to call them county assessor. It's his second hat. But that's what you're looking at. Yeah, specifically in commercial, Brian Williams' area for commercial assessments. He's the manager of that area. I asked him to comment. Of what, of what area? Commercial. Well, that means nothing because... The value of a commercial parcel in Ashburn where you can put a data center is extraordinarily different than the value of a commercial parcel here in Leesburg where I can put up a retail store. My specific question to them was in the matrix on your next sheet, the bottom two lines are you had no data on the, I wasn't worried about well, the east side of the county. It's, it's west. There's not much, many transactions. So if I can clarify. There are Let's let him keep going. The data set we had. You're jumping ahead of us. If we didn't have uh, transactions in the western regions um, on the commercial vacant land sales data. We had 75 transactions, uh, the bulk of which were in Ashburn, Sterling, Potomac, and Dulles, and Leesburg. On the residential, again, based on the format, we were we had um, the sales were based <coughs> on a luxury district, for example, but not CIF regions. So. We, we recorded no data in our presentation, but again, we couldn't identify on a clean basis which sales occurred in which CIF region. We knew the election district, for example, but the data format didn't identify the region. So partly because of that, we excluded that from our analysis. Does that make sense? Could I make a Can request? Just hang on. Go ahead. I want to get through this slide. Talk this slide, then we'll talk about it. Okay. Keep going. Okay. So the first column is the commercial, is the, is the per acre, is the average per acre value for each CIF region of commercial vacant land sales. The second column is residential commercial, uh, sorry, residential vacant land sales. For those regions, we were able to do some mapping. Uh, so we had some areas that we can cleanly correlate to Ashburn uh, or Potomac or Sterling. So that's what you see in the second column. Uh, Route 7 West and Western, a bit more difficult to match the sales data to the regional data. Um, and then in a combined, using the data we had gathered from commercial and residential, we combined the two into a per, per acre value to develop that. The fourth column is our recommended land values. They have not changed from October. They're based on the commercial vacant uh, data. 
And then the last column is the 2014 adopted land values there as a reference point. There's another reason that, that no data being in the two western areas is okay. And that is we don't get residential rezoning requests in those two areas. So it's kind of irrelevant how many transactions are out there. Because nobody pays that damn CIF because there's no rezonings out there. And if there are, they're in the towns. They're not in the county. Because right now, the way everything's zoned, people are building their buy right on their two acres or their 10 acres or whatever. I, I would just say, in principle, Mr. Chairman, there's been an upzoning since 1999. There you are. Right. Residential upzoning. And if it's going to be anywhere, it's going to be in that area. Yeah. I can't think of one residential rezoning since I've been on this board west of Route 15, basically. So. Well, you're even past the TPA. So there's nothing out there. So not having data doesn't matter because it's kind of irrelevant. So let me try to help you a little bit because I, I can get comfortable with this slide except for Dulles. I'm trying to understand why Dulles has the big increase in land. Yeah, I question and then, that too. And then I guess I'm, I'm going to try to throw you another softball. And we looked at what the counties paid for facilities, correct? And related those back to these numbers? We did. We looked at um, recent school, uh, recent school, actual school construction. Um, land purchase. These are land numbers, right? Those are based on commercial vacant. They're not based on county. Right, land but we're purchases. just looking at not construction costs, land purchase. Costs. I'm sorry, yes. Okay. I misspoke. We looked at. Um, what schools that paid for recent schools completed for land. A lot of those facilities were uh, built on profit or county-owned properties. Uh, we, looked, we, talked, we spoke to DTCI back in August about their experiences. Um, their trends have been buying land right of way for transportation projects, strips of land. Uh, but they're teeny parcels. They could be exactly. like 30 square feet. On a square foot basis, not yeah. on an acreage basis. Like, right. So, so like, can't we just bought an elementary site? The other day? We did. Three million bucks? Three point seven. And how big was that? Fourteen acres. Fourteen to fifteen acres. But I'm also gonna say that that wasn't the only costs involved in the contract. And that's one of the problems we have with capturing it. If you look at the land sale price, it was three point seven. But if you look at the betterments we had to do, it's seven point seven. Literally the cost because the owner retains some of their existing land. Yeah. We're not buying all of the owner's land. And so, as part of the negotiation, he negotiated certain things that will help the land he retains. Okay? And those costs were as much or slightly more than the actual purchase price of those 14, 15 acres. So it's, it's, it's deceiving. And I'm just using that as an example because it's fresh. We just did it two nights ago and Kevin was there. It was a Tillett property on, on Belmont Ridge. Yeah. Where the old auction house so was there. The yeah. That, 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 that'd be in Dulles. I think that would be Dulles, yeah. Yeah. Those would be included in the actual transaction before. Say that again? So those costs would be included in the actual transaction. And we got to pay them somehow, yeah. And I think he's saying yeah. in the list of comparisons, yeah. is that one of the comparables? I mean, would that be well, we, that, no, because oh, no, it didn't happen until Tuesday night. This is only Thursday night, so yeah, no. Sure. <laughs> this data is from 2009 to 2016. We, rat we ratified the contract two nights ago. And even if it's included, if it had, the, you, you're 
you're going to see the the, the lower cost of the land value, and you can see the cost of the improvements. Those are two separate. Or did you? The, the contract county, will show it all. Right, but divide it up. But it would show the land the as one and the other. Yeah. Veterans. I mean, even right. not giving, you're not giving Tillett $4 million to do his own veterans. I would call it in-kind improvements that are going to cost us exactly. $4 million. Right. But, right. But, but okay. The land cost still shows just 3.7. Right, but even in 7.7 seven for 14-year, 5.50. And I think that, to me, on that slide is the only number that's out of whack. I think, I mean... Well, I was also I will trying never to argue with the number that goes down. Well, so. I, I was wondering. Leesburg, <laughs> yeah. Leesburg goes down quite a bit, and, and actually, Easter went way down. But I get why. Yeah. I get why. Leesburg, I'm a little curious why it went down as much. But again, can you talk data, about Dulles and Leesburg? Talk sure. about those two. Yes. So again, the data we have collected from Core on commercial vacant land sales—that's what the average came up to on a per, per buildable acre basis. Um, that from again the data is from 2009 to 2016. So based on that, your 888 for dollars for commercial vacant. That's what that's what our basis was for the recommended. Values. See, one of the things that drives it too, Michael, is that that school site is not really near metro. Not to the extent that a lot of other parcels <coughs> in the Dulles area right. are, and it could be those areas driving driving it up. So so let me try a different question here. If the if you have a list of deficit facilities, do you know what percent of those facilities don't have land today? It's but most. It's most of them. Okay, but I'm going to. If it was eighty percent, it's at least that. Then shouldn't we be looking at eighty percent of these numbers? Well, right now, I don't know of any remaining profit school sites. Do we have any left? We have the one in, in Leesburg that we moved out. The Tuscarora uh, Crossing. Okay, that's the only one, though. And, and well, right. he has 23 at our polis. Okay. I mean, I've always been one that advocated that you have to assume that the county has to pay for the land for any facility that hasn't built, even though historically proffers have have handled, I pick a 60% of the landing units on it. But, but I think in planning, you have to assume you're doing all of them. But we're getting to a point now where we're at the end where you say, here's the finite list of facilities. We know which one of those we have land for already, and it seems like it's what's left that we would assume we have to buy that land for that may make this 80% of these numbers or 70% of these numbers. Joe left, but remember, we're talking things beyond the CIP. And so I don't think we have any profit sites for anything on the county side beyond the CIP. I can only think of one for something that's in the CIP, and that's the Ashburn Community and Recreation Center. And it's at the top of the CIP. I mean, we've already approved it at referendum. But these numbers don't apply to what's in the CIP. Because the CIP subtracted out of the That's CIP. my point. Right, right. That is my point. It goes beyond that. My point is for anything beyond the CIP, I don't think we have anything okay. proffered. Right. Well, we have general ideas. And I see staff shaking their head up and down, so okay. yeah. So when you want to get past the slide, do we want to? Do you want to make a motion on this slide? Well, I don't think we need to. If we did, if we were going to make a motion on this slide, we should have made a motion on construction too. Okay. Okay, which we could do. If you want to reaffirm the construction numbers, somebody can make a motion. I just. 
I mean, there's part of, oh, he's here. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. no, I'm sorry. This is more of a clarification. We have a quorum when Mark has to leave. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, just for my own clarification, so the first three columns are actual sales for those 2009 to 2016. The first two. Two, commercial two. and residential. The other is just a, a sum. I'm going to come by, I'm sorry. Yeah. And then the right, the, the fourth column is what is recommended. Correct. Yes. Okay, and then the 2014 was what this committee adopted three years ago. Correct. Correct. And then the, the difference between the 504 and the 890 that's, that we are discussing is um, the actual is 888, 414. You're adopting the 888 as we're, recommended. I'm sorry, we're, you're, not, you're, we're not adopting anything uh, regarding these. We're only going to adopt the CIF values at the end of the meeting. You missed my introduction at the beginning. So what we're trying to determine with construction costs, land costs, and so forth is do we agree? Because those are the underpins to doing the calculations to reach the yes. CIF. CIF is just math. Yes. Okay, it's just math. Yep. By region. This is all the input, though. Yes. These are the inputs. These are the inputs. I, I guess when you look at this from the big picture, two of them have gone down quite a, quite a bit. As a matter of fact, Eastern went way down. One has gone up, Dulles, quite a bit. The other two are kind of roughly a push. So in the end, I, really overall, it doesn't change all that. Where you're going to see the growth, though. Numbers have gone up a lot. Well, you're worried about Dulles because that's where the growth is going to be and where they're going to pay the CIF. So yeah, obviously that's why you're worried. That's where the rezonings have come. Well, not in Eastern? Come on, let's, let's get to the heart of this matter. I, I know how this plays. I try not to think that way. I know you do. I know you do. So the drop in Eastern is just based on actual sales? Correct, on commercial commercial vacant. Wow. These values are based on a large actual sampling. It's a big drop in these. We were surprised, yeah. I'm actually surprised because of data centers, but I think the other areas are driving that. The places where data centers don't go. Correct. I mean, data centers are only a portion of the data. They're only a piece. Yeah. And Brian took a good look at that. Well, I mean, data center deals are going down at a million an acre right now. Yeah. Yeah. And higher. And higher, yes, and higher. Data center deals. A million an acre or higher. <laughs> yeah. It's a joke. Yeah, but. I know more than I can say, so I'm just let that go. Don't. Just, just don't. I'm not crying for John. No. Okay. Okay. All right, guys. So next we'll talk about the yes. analysis uh, methodology. And, and just. Before anybody came late, there's really three variables here: yes. construction costs, land <coughs> values, and the deficit of what we still need to build that is not built or in the CIP, and that should be consistent with the CNA, the capital needs assessment, that this committee has already approved, sent to the board of supervisors, who has already approved. So the first question is: Did you use the approved CNA? as your basis for the facilities that are projected? That was our starting point. Okay, um, then keep because, going. Because of the fact that uh, this last CIF, going back to 2014, forecast a deficit up to 2030, consistent with the adopted CNA. Right. We updated that forecast to look up to 2035 using the most recent population right. estimates and forecasts 
adopted by this board and uh, this committee in October, October 12th. Um, so based on that, our deficit analysis was updated uh, using the starting point of the adopted CNA, and our intent is we'll use that analysis in the next CNA coming forward. Be because we have new population estimates that we approved, Correct. and many of the facilities are triggered by population triggers, Correct. like one per 25,000 people or something, you know, whatever, yes. hypothetically. So as the population forecast increases over time, so does the deficit, in the absence of adding any new construction. In the Except for what's per capita. In other words, like a jail, one per county. Correct. That's right. correct, yes. So in, in the October rates we presented, uh, we deviated from the 2014 methodology with respect to county-based um, per capita impacts. So these are facilities that are not population-driven, but they're regional parks, rec centers, those types of facilities. In, in reviewing the 2014 methodology, um, we revised the December rates that you'll see today to be more consistent with 2014. But again, this, we're not using the same population data as 2014. We've updated that, and so you'll see a different set of um, deficits. All right, let me ask this then. Did you use the population estimates that this committee recently approved yes. and took to the Board of Supervisors? Yes. Okay. Then we're consistent then. Okay. That's the key. Using your segue of consistency, side comment. A lot of my concerns will go away if you and the Commissioner of Revenue could sit there and smile in unison. That you're using the same data. That's all I want. Remember, an assessment is not the same as the value paid for land. We're not talking assessments. Well, that's what the Commissioner of Revenue does. No, he also has the actual sales. That's what we're comparing. Our data is based on that. We're talking actual He's crowd. based it on actual sales. Yeah, and so is the Commissioner of Revenue. The Commissioner of Revenue collects revenue based upon the assessed value of a property, not the sale Ralph, price of the property. Ralph, you're segmenting a little. One of the other things that Bob does is he has the actual sales records. Yeah, he records those. That's correct. That was the request, that the actual sales records are in sync with well, what they are using. Where did you derive your sales numbers? From the Commissioner of Revenue. From the Commissioner of Revenue. So what's the issue? You seem hung up on it. The, the attachment five is those sales for commercial data, commercial data, and that was received. What I'm saying is I'll, I'll be happy if somebody over there closes that issue, that in fact you're using the same base. Because I'm getting tired of getting different databases. I don't know what databases you're using. We are using the county's database, the Commissioner of Revenue's database. We are using the Commissioner of Revenue's database. So you're telling me the number they're getting from the Commissioner of Revenue is different than the number you're getting from the Commissioner what of Revenue? I'm, no, what I'm saying is after they go through, you heard his earlier discussion of formats and things being in different formats. Yeah. I want to be assured that after they go through the normalization between the different presentation and formats, they're still dealing with the same data. That's all. That's true. That's that is that's exactly what we're data. doing. It's a matter of formatting it. The, the key concept for the staff was to map sales data to CIF widget so we can develop a perfect estimate. Right. We, we did that. No, I understand that. I would like just once, we'll take it offline. Because I get documentation. Well, that by the way, you're back on land values, but okay. All right. So let me see. CNA is through 
plan build out always? It's up to a certain, it's, it's a 10 year period after the CIP. Okay, so, 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 so the question I really should be asking you is what facilities were in the 2014 plan through 2030 and that additional five years that you put in, what facilities were there? That might be the simple question. What was added during that five-year period? Is that what you're saying? Right, because if you're saying you went to 30 and you cut it off and that's how we did this, and now we're going five more years, and you tell me there's eight schools in those five years, you want to just well, keep in mind the population forecast has also changed between now and 2030. So that's going to cause a change in the number of deficits. From that's correct. But that population change, is, is is applied to new units for everything that we do in the in the C, in the CIF, but existing resales where you get more people in it because our demographics are changing doesn't fall into this. So you could have existing units now generating a need for more capital facilities because of population <coughs> numbers that you're projecting. Isn't that correct? Well, and it could be the opposite, because quite frankly, if you look at some of the heavy population set areas like Ashburn, which is now 25 years old, we're seeing fewer people going to those homes because you got older people living in them, or sometimes you get turned over with new families. I can tell you my old neighborhood doesn't have nearly as many kids right, in it as it did when I moved in 20 years ago. The right, they're out of the yeah, house. Maybe I can explain what the 2014 methodology and the does with okay. respect to that. Okay. The, as I said, the deficits for population-based facilities are being driven by population forecasts. For county-based facilities, county-wide facilities, again, rec centers, regional parks, those are, a, those are not population-based, they're a fixed number. Correct. So a deficit of three today for rec centers will still mean a deficit of three tomorrow or in 2030. Right, because we didn't change the standard. Unless we build a new one in the standard. Right. Now, the 2014 methodology to address the difference between current population Deficits caused by current population and deficits caused by future zonings. What it does is, and you'll see in the calculations, it includes the cost of the next facility. So it doesn't, in other words, if we have a deficit of three fire stations in 2030, we're not including three. We're including the cost of one, the next facility to be built. What's the marginal, marginal cost? Is that how it was you can you can think of it that, that way? Yeah, that's my understanding. I recall it was done that way. There's also a slide in here about how they, how they determine where they apply the CIF to based on the type of facility. In other words, is it spread because it's a countywide? Is it we think we're going to build it in this region? You know, it's, and you can even pull that up, maybe. Yes. So, so to go off of that, um, population-based deficits. That's slide number. Lower right. It's actually attachment. Uh, Attachment four. Is that a new handout? No, it's attachment uh, four. Oh, yeah. that's the problem. They weren't number consecutive. They were all. They, each area started at one. Okay, that's back here. That's why it's good to do land first, isn't it? Though. Okay. <laughs> so again, yes, yeah, way near the back. These, right. So to explain this, these are the results of our deficit analysis. Take a look at, uh, again, fire and rescue stations are easy to understand. It's one per 25,000 people in the east, one per 10,000 in the west. Uh, our deficit projection in 2035 is 1.4 facilities in Dulles, three in eastern, 0.4 in the west. 
the, the number we include in a calculation is only for one of those facilities, not three in Eastern, for example. So we, we're only counting for one facility uh, of the three that are projected to be in deficit. And the idea is that's the next facility that needs to be built. So that's how we get around that. Okay. This slide is confusing. So for everybody's sake, let's pick a line. Let's pick the third line down, fire rescue and emergency <coughs> Okay. In Dulles, 1.4. In Eastern, 3. In Route 7, West, 0.4. Does that mean that's our deficit in what we need? Or it, is, it is accounting for current facilities. That's the remainder. That's the remainder. Then what is countywide at 0.8? That is a summation of the deficits plus Leesburg and Western. How can it be a summation? The summation adds up to 3.8. We're not showing the surplus in Leesburg and Western. When you account for that, you get to the point 0.8. It, so like Leesburg and Western should have a negative number in there, basically, yes. is what you're telling me. Yes. yes. This goes back to the old chart that we all are missing. Yeah, is, yes. uh, right. So here's how many we should have. Here's how many we're planning. Right. Here's how many we're okay. so that's, why I'm, that, see, that's why I'm confused. Yeah. I, I'm showing three areas need a grand total of 3.8 fire and rescue stations, yeah. but countywide we need 0.8. How can that possibly be? There's surplus in the other regions. So when you build the CIF, which of these number, how do you build this number in? If Because the deficit's 0.8 yeah. overall. The total, yeah, the net deficit. The net deficit. Now, fire rescue is a bad example yes. because they really have to go in very specific <laughs> places. So you can't have a surplus. Well, they have to go in their service areas yes. for response times. But the key takeaway here is that we're using, we're identifying where those facilities need to be built. Agreed. So that's that's the point of this countywide number. So ideally, we should be building three more fire stations in Eastern. That's a, if that's a yes, that is a deficit. It is three. We need Eastern needs three more fire stations. I can think of five we have already there. One might be Dulles. That's more so field. Looking at uh, let's say two hundred thousand people in, Ash in Eastern by. Well, you have one in Sterling, one in Concora, one in Lansdowne, one in Old Ashburn. More field is that Dulles or Ashburn? I'm not sure. I'm gonna guess it's Ashburn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is why you, the numbers went down from October to your net, your net of the surpluses. No, the numbers went down because we were, you're correct, yes, for, for certain facilities. Uh, this is why it went down. We, we, yes, we, we mapped those facilities to places where they like to be built. Okay, so, so, and Ralph, you have to help me out with this. We, we went through, and you were, we went through a bunch of maps where we had like the, like the sheriff in and the fire. Yep. And yeah. they go, one yeah. here, one here, one here, one here, one here. And we right. said, this For is our model. projected population, so now it's one per 25. And if you're saying that the population is going up, does the sheriff really need another station because the population is going up? Or should the one per 25 get adjusted to one per 32 five? And it's still the same number of stations. Well, if that's the case, then the way we're doing our capital needs assessment is needs revised. Yes. But we did it based on, because this is yeah. when we switched over from per capita yeah. to actual to, facilities. To, to trying because to project all the real need. Per capita well, numbers, there was no land and there was, we could never afford to build Well, par parks anymore. were the biggest example. Parks were, yeah. Because we had said we needed like 10, 10 regional parks. Right. And we're going, where are you going to get the land? You know? Yeah. 
I mean, we need like four regional parks in Eastern Lot, and we're going to go. Where are you going to get the land? Right. That was what made Dan an old man. Yeah, and we kind of and we backed it down. If you remember, we took the numbers down because we said the reality is there's not going to be the land to do it. Plus, they only counted land owned by the county, not owned by the developer. That was the topic on parks and trails. Well, you have to clarify that statement. Yeah. yeah. Found Ashburn Village has a pool facility. Yep. For their community that was built by the we were county. Yes. Now. We were talking public facilities. Public, public facility. owned. Public right. owned. Only. Public right. with a general public can access the facility. Right. We acknowledge there was overlap there. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we talked about that. That was a long discussion. But those are private. If it belongs to an HOA, you have to be a member of the HOA. So we didn't take it into account because it's a private facility, wow. not a public facility. So do you have to know the population difference between projected in 14 and projected now? It, so 14 CIF calculated out to 2030, and based on the 2014 population forecast. Right, so how many people did we think in 2030? Uh, I don't have that number on there. Uh, Jill's not here either. Okay. Okay. So. But obviously you know the number for 17. Yes, yes it's uh, 492. By 2030. 2035. Or 35, yes. Yes, okay. okay. Right. I, we're going to hit more than that by four. Can you tell me what the units are in the last column uh, yeah. for uh, <clears throat> mental health services? That's the number of beds. Oh, yeah. beds. Those are beds, yes. yes. Not facilities. Okay. We have a big problem with facilities. <laughs> uh, holy cow, we need 41 more of those. <laughs> and then that standard had changed uh, from, from number of homes to number of beds. But then these are deficits. These are net deficits. Yes. The, the problem with the last column is the units vary. For example, mm. in one it's square feet, and another it's facility, and another it's beds. And that's it, it, when you look at this, it assumes we all know that. Which those of us have been on this committee for a while do, <laughs> but if you're new, you may not. Right, but hold on. But these are gross deficits because you've netted out well, surpluses of these yes. somewhere else to get to the money. On the countywide, yes. On the countywide. If your throat's so, dry. I just want to make sure you, okay, you, you follow that. That's, That's it's not as net across the board. Thank you, though. It's a gross. This is a gross, and it's netted out on the end for the county. It's kind of yeah, it, in a perfect world, you'd see red numbers <laughs> in, in a perfect, few. That's right. In right. Perfect world, in a perfect world, you'd see the old chart. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, yeah. keep going. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so where are we going back to? Okay. okay. Slide number 11. <laughs> Um, again, just to recap, based on the guidance we received from the last impact uh, <coughs> meeting, we did go, we did revise our um, calculations for the CIF, and um, we, we do have included uh, attachment one and two, that gives you the history of both the per capita rates by region yeah. and the total Those uh, are good. bottom line numbers per region. This was a new slide, right? No, this no. is no. what we handed out tonight. Slide 13, I'm sorry. Because it says, I revise 78. It has a number 8. Everybody's got it. Yeah. Yes, because we had to add a new slide. So it's 
And so the original package didn't change memory because of these. Correct. Okay, so I got it. Okay. Okay, attachment one is after slide 14. Attachment one read numbers to page one, but chronologically it'd be the 15th slide in here. So let's look at that for a minute. Now you go area by area. Correct. But I think the point is if you look at these charts, and I'm going to make a general statement, but this first one, Eastern, is the only one that went down. On the county CIF. Course. On the county CIF, yes. There's a couple anomalies on the school side. But overall, Eastern, and it went down quite a bit when you look at it. And if you notice, and here's my point, Michael, just take the very first one, single family detached. 6630 and 09 went all the way up to 8148 in 2014. And the recommendation now is 4702, which is even quite a bit below the 09 and way below the 14. And then below the October 2017. It's quite a bit below October, <laughs> by about a thousand. Two, two months. And so the difference yeah. in 2014 was it's really the land balance is the main driver. It's the 950 to 500. Sorry? The land it's 950 to 500. Yeah. Down to 500. Yeah. That's correct. But what about this October to December? That change was caused by, again, the change in method, the revision methodology. So in October, we were calculating more facilities uh, of, of the countywide facilities and all the calculations. So we went back and revised that calculation to be more consistent with 2014. Just the district, not countywide. Just the county CIF. Per, per district. Oh, yeah, per, per region. region. This is Eastern. Yes, 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 yes. Per, yes. every single one. Yep. Yes, per region, correct. Why is it Um. In 09, you had um, less regions, you had three regions instead of five. Uh, and I believe in 09, you were calculating, you were including, so the main difference, main change in 14 versus 9 was uh, 14 had assumed existing facilities and CIP facilities had been uh, backed out. So. Yeah, but it still went up. It still went up. And again, the land values in 2014 were higher, 900,000 per acre. Yeah, I'm going to bet that if you really pulled it apart in 09, land values and construction costs were a lot lower. And they increased in 14, which is that jump. And then they decreased in October and December for land values. And then I'm guessing October to December, you've netted out some of the facility surplus. Mm -hmm. And that drove it down. That's right. That would make it fit. So this is Dulles. Uh, again, Dulles, uh, between December and October, Dulles decreased. Again, due to the recalculation of the facilities we included. Uh, but December to 14, Dulles increased. Uh, December 2017 versus 2014, Dulles increased, again, um, primarily due to increase in land values, but also uh, the number of deficits of facilities being driven by population forecasts. And just so you know, this that first bullet was what led to my question. When you put up there and you said number of facilities, there was an increase due to increase in land values and number of facilities. I figured you knew old number, new number, and said we've increased the number of facilities. 
No, right? well, because you're making a statement. There's more yeah. facilities now in Dallas than there was in 14. So looking at looking at what was included in 2014 versus 2017, that's what led to that statement. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, Leesburg. So Leesburg is in your uh, your handout. It's the last slide. Slide mark 16. Uh, Leesburg. From what we sent out last Friday, uh, there was a correction. Um, we had been uh, mistakenly calculating transit facility uh, that already exists. So this is the revised number is lower than what you have seen what had come out on Friday. Anyway, original packet. <coughs> Uh, Route 7 West, uh, here the per capita number for county CF decreased despite increasing instruction in land, primarily because what was going on is um, the population forecast um, for the per capita impact had increased. So your overall per capita number decreases because your denominator has increased from 2014, faster than <coughs> your construction and land, uh, construction land values. So a developer would pay a combination of the school and the county CA, correct? Yes, they, they would be, it'd be a combined They would combine CA. and that's correct. what they would pay for yes. reason. And that's what you see that attachment too. Yeah. These are just a per capita. Just, just, just per capita county schools. Yeah. Uh, Western again uh, declined in December 2017 versus 2014. Um, again, primarily because of the, the population denominator increasing faster than the construction and land values in the numerator. So you see a per capita number that actually declines. So can I go back to Dallas? Because Dallas is the one that had the land value went up. Correct. So land value and facilities. Number of facilities. Yep. Because population triggers some of these and that's our growing area. Yeah. Again, these are the per capita numbers. They're not multiplying against the demographic numbers. Right. Uh, so okay, we can show you that total number. Sorry, I got trapped by a Boy Scout troop, so. The best of Again, these are the proposed December 2017 rates. Um, which is what you showed on the previous slides. The combination. Yes, this is the per capita, the adopted um, student and hospital <coughs> yeah, sizes. Yeah, it gets you to the total. Yep. So it gets you to the total. That's all these are. All right. We don't need to go through all these. Okay, okay get to your recommendations in. Good. So, so, so from the school's perspective, do you guys, you guys plan for the plan Actually, you don't stop at like 2035 or 2030 or 2030. You do the build out of the plan. Last the first year we've extended all the way out as far as we can. Yes. And our last year is 2048. 2048. 2048. That yeah. was presented to the board last right. night. Right. Right. So can somebody tell me the difference between those projected numbers of schools? I guess sort of uh, how many do we need? How many do we have? How many are alive? Well, first considering we just saw the, the problem, Michael, is we just saw those numbers last night for the first time. Right. Last night. Right. So there's been no analysis because they've shifted some things around, too. Right. Okay? So it could have been here in the CIP, something's moved back, something's moved forward. But 
that document, because I was looking at that this morning because I didn't have time to analyze it during the meeting last night, it shows dollar amounts, of course, through the CIP years, but that only takes us through 2024. And then for the other years, they phase it out to where it belongs, all the way out to 2048. So they're identifying the needs as best they can. But their CIP is what we subtract, we subtract the county CIP for Well, and, Correct. and what's in the, no, and what's in our CIP for the schools. Right, but you go out farther than we do on our CIP, correct? But not from a dollar perspective, only from a planning perspective. Only from a number of facilities. Only from we think we need this in 2040. And that includes rebuilds. Plus it includes renovations. It includes all kinds of things. Yeah. We've assigned dollar values to that. We've well, you have, but it's not in the CIP is the point. They're not CIP numbers. The, the CIP, at its longest interval is six years. It's five, six, five, six, five, six. This year, we'll be, in this budget, we'll go to six. So we'll go, well, actually, we go 19 through 24 in the new one, right? I just remember in 14... When the numbers went down, there was eight schools left to build that were outside of the CIP yeah. that the school board from. I don't. We'd have to add them up in there. And I'm guessing that number right now, from your perspective, is probably a lot higher than that, right? I don't know if it's a lot higher than that. But it has to be higher in dollars for Dulles' numbers to be going up as much as they're going up. Schools have to be driving that number. Well, not completely. Go ahead. In Dulles, <coughs> The per capita number for schools is based on construction plus land divided by 900 students per school, for elementary schools. So in Dulles, the increase in school CIF is being driven by land and construction costs going up, right. not by number of facilities. Because we've only, it's only, the calculation is cost of one school divided by uh, 900 students <coughs> the population standard. For elementary. And when you for asked elementary. earlier about the number of schools between 30 and 35, I looked and we have two. But as Naeem said, that's not, the, that's not the whole thing. So, you know, what we're doing is, is trying to space those out. We're looking at all the buy right stuff and all the, the approved undeveloped things right. and trying to estimate where we would need schools because that's been a conversation we've had right. for a couple of years now that is, for our planning purposes, the county needs to know what's coming in the, in the hopper. So we've got those spaced out. Some of those we have identified in certain areas and some we just had unde undesignated based on what we think will be the build out for the students. So we've got them placed out there as they jump forward to that magic six years, then we will adjust where they are and how much they cost. Right. So right now we're trying to do our best to give the county a, as much information as possible moving forward what we think it is now. Based right, on but, but I think this is the first time we've ever had a school generation number used for the FIC. It's different than the numbers that you I don't know that they're different. No, because we've said that all along. The no. numbers we adopted are for the sole purpose of it. Which are the student generation. Student, yeah, right. student Those generation are, are for purposes of us calculating FIC. The schools do student generations. for. We had this conversation last night. They do it for trying to figure out when and where they need schools. We do it to calculate the FIC. And you saw, well, I don't think you were here, but, but we had devoted a whole meeting to, to the no, two no, different no, methodologies. But this is the first time we've ever done that because Sam would always come in in the past and we've always, we always had the discrepancy between staff's um, projections and Sam's, and we always defaulted back and said, Sam's never wrong, we're using his numbers. And this is the, and this is the first time we've done it. So I, got, I, have a, I believe that some of that is driving this too, that if you really tore it apart, 
I don't know, it's not, he might say there's 12 more schools left to build. We said there was 8 and 14, and now it's just probably 14. But what the CF is calculating on the school side is the cost of the next school to be built, not for 18 or 14. Yeah, they're taking an incredibly short-term view the way they, when they do student generation. We're taking a long view. And it was Very different. That even after Sam gave his number, that it was still adjusted by somewhere in that ten percent range to take care of the the private school students yeah, and public school students. So right. that was always adjusted. And we did that's that right. here too. And we did that here. Yeah. yeah. The same adjustments were made, but at the end of the day, if it was 1.0 for single family, it's now 1.12 because we added 12 percent. I don't know exactly. saw them last night. I can pull them up if you want. Really, no. <clears throat> All right. What I'll else do you have for us? To approve the revised 2017. Okay. We have a motion to approve the CIF as proposed by staff at the December 7, 2017 Fiscal Impact Committee meeting. Is there, and there's a second by Kana. Okay. Opening discussion. Okay. All right. I'm going to make a substitute motion. I'd like to break down construction costs, land costs, as separate motions. That is not an in-order motion. Okay, so... However, let me think that through a little bit. The Wait only, a second, I the think only that way I can we have can... discussion on his motion, right? You can have discussion on his okay. motion, yes. Okay, well, well, let me go that path. Do that first. Let me do that. We'll sort it out. So, so I appreciate where you're going, but I, I can't get there. Uh, and I think that... I think that I'm still stuck with some of the percentage increases between, <coughs> between 14 and 17 without having this ultimate, here's what we have, here's what we need. I, I still feel like some of these numbers are making the new unit pay for cash. You guys haven't convinced me of that yet. And I'm trying to get to a point where the comp plan's about to get updated. We're going to come back and do this in a year. Yeah, we're going to do this all over. We're in a year, and I'm trying to right. get to a point where, as as our chair has pointed out many times, there are new zoning applications coming through. So I'm trying to figure out a place where I can get a little bit comfortable, and probably I, my biggest problem is the land value in dollars. And, so, and I understand why that's, and I, I hope you're being objective when you make that I statement. Because it's the only one that went up, and I that's am. where the homes are going to get built. Yeah, so, but I don't, it's not going yeah. up because the homes are being built there. It's going up because Cause of, of land and construction costs. Land. Not just forget, I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to get there that's with both. construction. I'm going to get there with construction. Okay? Even though I think, four and a half, I think that some of those numbers are crazy from the private sector side, but I'll accept those. But I think I'm going to a place where... If there was a different number for the land in Dulles, I think you can get me there. But that that would require a recalculation of the Dulles numbers. Other discussion. We so we couldn't approve the whole thing. Yeah, we can't divide we can get, this. We, to, we, we can't can divide this to, to vote by by, by <coughs> region. Okay, that's no, no, not appropriate for us to do. Well, now it's a land value chart and it's a construction cost percent increase chart. Okay, so charts. basically. You're Asking saying you, you have now. This is not a divisible motion. Yeah, he has made a single motion. It is one part, and the motion is to approve the CIF rates as proposed by staff in this in this briefing. There's nothing divisible in that motion. Right, and I'm just telling you, I can't get there. <clears throat> yeah, his and he's 
given his discussion, and his discussion is he has a problem with the dullest rates. Okay? Other discussion? Would you like a closing? You really don't need to because I don't think anybody was going to say anything, but okay. All in favor of the motion, say aye. Aye. Opposed? No. Nay. All right, that motion will pass five, two, is it six or seven, whatever the, uh, I think it's six. We're, we're sh no, no, because John Bishop's been confirmed. Five, two, five. five. Well, but John Bishop's been confirmed. So it would be Bishop, Herbs, Philly, Miller, and Mitchell, right? Okay, five, two, five. Okay, five, two, five with Mr. Kruger and Mr. Capretti dissent. Okay. All right. So I just want to make one comment. I really appreciate Please the do. work of staff. And yeah, it's a lot of good since work. Since I drove most of it, I want you to know I appreciate that. <laughs> Another well, I, 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 Next time, I'd like to make a call. I promise I won't bring up Dan's name one time. And as for Dan's chart, right? You did. You did wait until now. It, it, it'll be, it'll be your chart next. Oh, time. Well, if you notice, there were some pretty good differences between our October meeting and now. Yeah, he convinced me. And a lot of that is because of what you triggered, Michael. So, all right, Michael. Following almost as a follow-on, don't want you to misconstrue my um, comments at time. I, you guys are a whole lot better at getting better than I've seen in past years. I have a lot of respect for you and the Commissioner of Revenue. It just bothers me when I see the people in your organization differing. So get together, talk, and then I'm happy. Because you're both very good. Any other closing comments? Um, just one question. Uh, now that we've adopted these, you're going to take them to the board. No, they will go to the finance committee. Whatever. I think that somehow these have to pledge in with Envision Loud because I, I am very concerned that we're going to get a different set of assumptions when the fiscal impact analysis is done on the new plan. And as the fiscal impact committee, I think somehow if these are what we just approved and the board signs off on those, those have to be the numbers that you use. Or we're going to have apples and oranges comparing new land use patterns to what we've been doing. So when they, I think what he's saying is that based upon the stakeholder committee's recommendations, there's modeling being done. Some of that modeling is the road networks and things, but some of it is exactly what Michael was just describing, the fiscal impact of the capital facilities. And he's right. These new numbers are what should be used, in my mind, once the Board of Supervisors approves them. Now, the Finance Committee meeting is January 9th. Yeah, the 9th. So that means it could go to the full board January 18th. So by January 18th, these could be approved and in place is the real, is the numbers. In my world, as long as one of them <laughs> did you, Megan, did, no, did you want to? I just wanted to confirm that we had been planning for January finance. Yeah, it's not too far away. Um, yeah, because we delayed our first business meeting to the third because of the holidays. The third's a Wednesday, not a Tuesday, so that means finance would be the following Tuesday, which would be the ninth. Yes. So you'd have to make it by, well, but do let me ask this. 
I know the packets are going out really early because of the holidays. Right. I think they're trying to go out by the 21st of December. And today's the seventh. You got two weeks. Yeah. And most of this is prepared. I just didn't want to set expectations and then have to factor. So I just wanted to confirm with Liz. But if, that's the, if that was the plan all along, then. Are, are you okay, Liz? Um, I, let me say, um, if you will <laughs> oh, try to make the January deadline, um, but may need to go in. Oh, wait, and I, I, I got it wrong. When I said the packet's going out the 21st of December, that's the packet for the January 3rd full board meeting. Right. The packet okay. for the January yeah. 9th meeting would go out the week of January 2nd. Well, but you got to get the packet out for finance a week earlier. Yes, that's what I meant. Right, <laughs> right. Well, you'd have three weeks to do it. I understand. Sorry, I'm just being overly cautious. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> I'd rather we get it right. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Um, if any of you want to see what we do with this at the full board, just turn on your TV and bore your, get a beer and bore yourself to death. This so, on which January? We will, this would go to the Finance Committee on January 9th. And then to the full board, assuming it goes to Finance, which I, it should, on January 18th. 9th? Yes. So, thank you. This is very good stuff. I want to thank my staff and also Liz thank and Megan for this process so his brand new staff. My brand new staff. <laughs> okay yes. last th last thing do, when do we think we'll restart up the fiscal impact committee give them the we've hit the holy grail we just hit the holy grail and i'm starting and this is a discussion i can have with staff but i kind of want everybody to hear it and given envision loud is going on do we put the fiscal impact committee kind of in hiatus for a little bit and let Envision Loud move on? Or you said no, so why do you say no? I think that I would like to see Envision Loud come back and make a presentation to Fiscal Impact as to the assumptions that they're using on the land use models so that we know what is different. And if nothing's different, then I'm good. We don't even need to talk about it. But from what I've been hearing, there's some different assumptions being used in the from what we've done as a fiscal impact. So if I can ask staff and Dory huh. to have a discussion with Ricky, Ricky Barker, who runs yep. Planning and Zoning, about potentially would it be a benefit if they came and talked about their modeling assumptions on the Envision Loud process that the stakeholders are going through, to come and talk about that and its consistency with what this committee has done. I think that's what you're getting at. I mean, or right, I'll take it even a different direction. Does this committee want to be briefed on what the Envision Loud land use recommendations look like from a fiscal impact? I, I think that's just to stay in no, the loop. No, I'm going to actually say it's too, it's premature. No, no, I know, it's, but I'm saying when you say it's when all, do we start back up, maybe it's April. Well, maybe it is, but the point of my point is that it, there's too many moving parts on the Envision Loud in front right now. And they've been, as you know, they've been really wrestling with these recommendations. They could come in here and talk to us, and two months later, it's all different. And that's the problem I've got. Okay, I'll well, I think when the committee recommendation's done and the fiscal impact's run, it ought to come to us before it goes to the board with the stakeholders' recommendation. And that could be May. But it's going to the planning it goes to the planning commission next. You're absolutely correct. It goes to the planning commission. I fully expect... Changes at the Planning Commission. I, I don't disagree with that. Okay. But, I, but I think the validity yeah. of the fiscal analysis on the plan should have a little vetting here. 
That, that's all I'm saying. What's the we'll, we'll have a discussion and see what might be the appropriate timing to do that. Okay, because I'm not even quite sure what the appropriate timing is yet, and I think some of us have to talk that through a little bit. So, do they have a time frame? Uh, the yeah, but we've been, but the board of supervisors messed it up on them. The we're to blame. Originally, we thought they could get through all of their upfront work in about 18 months, and then it would take us another two years to do all the rezonings or whatever has to be done from a zoning ordinance perspective or whatever. But then the board of supervisors and I supported this strongly because some bad things were about to happen. We rolled the Silver Line Comprehensive Plan Amendment into Envision Loudoun, which was quite a new big workload for the stakeholders group. And the stakeholders group <coughs> was chaired by Jeff Salmon, who is chairman of the Planning Commission. Mm -hmm. So we increased their workload substantially when they were about a year into it. And I think that's how far they were. So that has extended their yeah. schedule to get it to us. And the board is the, we knew that when we did it. But we felt that you couldn't, we, we were going down two different roads and they weren't syncing up. And so we thought, well, you know. Uh, let's, let's try this conversation. We certainly don't need to get back together until the Envision Loudon plan has been approved by the board. No reason for the Fiscal Impact Committee to get back. Well, you could say that. And that was my right. point of bringing right. it up. So, so then to me, the only thing in, intervening there is, do I want to be on the Fiscal Impact Committee when the first time you come back is six months after the Envision? Yeah, that might be a little first, scary. That's the first time I see it? Yeah, that might, no. So that's, the, that's where I was trying to. No, because when we reconvene over Envision Loudon being essentially there, things are going to change significantly, big time. This committee is going to have a lot of heavy lifting because we have changed the land use patterns of a great deal of the county potentially. And so I don't think we should walk in here for the first time and learn what that is. Somewhere along the way, this committee has to be versant in what's going on. My problem is I don't quite know where that time is yet. As you know, they've been wrestling with the TPA for how long? Now, there's some rec now they have some real recommendations on the table. And those are being modeled right now. So I mean, I think realistically it's, we're late summer probably until we have a stakeholder recommend a plan that's been analyzed and then yeah that's, that's after the new reach out of uh, public hearings and all i think meetings. you're in the right time for it yeah yeah but i but otherwise otherwise as a fiscal impact committee forget it we wouldn't get together until early 18. I'm sorry, so, early. So I, think it, so I think the next thing on our agenda is, is actually to consider um, and adopt the capital needs assessment. So we prepared a capital deficit analysis for the purpose of the CIF. But our, our thinking um, and plan was that we would um, do an official capital needs but there's assessment a in the spring. But okay. there's a problem with that. And the problem is that many of our standards are based on population. Mm -hmm. And if the Envision Loudon process all of a sudden opens up a lot of areas to residential, that population is going to grow a lot quicker than we thought. Mm -hmm. but, but, but hold on, but I think 
you're basically talking about the icing on the cake. For everything that we've done, now we need to take the step to do the CNA that ties to everything we've already done. Well, yeah, you're kind and of a You're and kind of cleaning up what we just consistency. did. So now we have the CNA that ties to what we just but, but that new we do. But if we do that, it's to clean up what we just kind of approved tonight. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's the parallel but it, document. But it's, it's not going to reflect Envision Louder in any way, shape, That's or form. It's right. more of cleanup because it's between the time we approved it and what we did tonight, it's already changing. Right. Right. It's That's because in 2019, when I say, what you have in the CNA for 2017, you can go, here's the document. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> That's right. Okay, why don't so, we as staff and myself do and that? so forth have that conversation okay. about okay. where we want to go next. Okay. But one thing I don't want to do is reconvene this committee when Envision Loudon is all done, because that's wait. This group will be in, we won't have a clue in this committee. Well, I'll be the only guy, and maybe Michael, because he's on the committee. But and I get briefed on it all the time. But everybody else is watching it. I don't think, and there, there could be some very significant changes. Well, I think there's just going to be a lot of confusion when the impact analysis is done. I do too. Because yeah. because we live in a world where those are the numbers that start to get twisted. Yeah. And that's why it just seems to me a fiscal impact vetted them. And had gave us credibility. I think that would help staff and everybody else along the way as far as presentation goes. I think we could have a discussion with Ricky about how they're modeling and if it would make sense to have that discussion with the fiscal impact committee, so we at least have an idea of what they're doing. When do you want to do the CNA? Uh, the spring. Spring. Yeah. Spring. Everybody have a wonderful Christmas, a great New Year, a prosperous New Year. Thank you for all your hard work. We, we adjourn. We hit a major milestone tonight, and we are adjourned. Thank you. Thanks, Anne, for all the lets off. Thank you.